0: I'm a nerd overdrive. I will always survive, bad boy baby, feel so alive watching Babylon 5, are going to be a bad boy babe. baby, All right, so best friends with friends. a robot now, so. uh, Originally, last week I thought, oh, you know, at that time, I had only been able to go to free comic day, I had not been able to go to the store. I see. So I thought, okay, yours are going to be into three, you know, three out of what what's actually available this week. And I would have to go through Free Comic Book Day, but now I've actually been to the store. I think I made it,
1: you know, there by Friday. Cool. Yeah, there was some, there. i uh, If we could, you know, if we could mention um, Free Comic Book Day, Secret Empire, outside. Of yeah, I wanted to bag. talk about it. Yeah, yeah I think that's yeah. worth talking about because I think it really is a a good introduction to what they're doing right now.
0: But. Uh, no, about uh, let's just roll in because oh, yeah. I, I realize almost everything I want to a- say right now uh. or ask would be something that we're going to talk about in five minutes. Fair enough. So, hey, if you're just tuning in, hey, this is Derek McCoy at a chief of fanboyplanet.com tuning in like <laughs> someone just stumbles across this podcast. Man. And across from me, across the ether, uh, podcasting recording from the Brett cave.
1: It's Rick Brett Snyder.
0: That's right. And uh, we are kind of catching up. We were just uh, talking about how uh, we meant to record one last week, uh, and then my work got in the way, even I, late in the evening. We haven't seen so, each
1: other since we recorded at uh, Seven Stars.
0: That was a week and a half ago? Yeah. I mean, it's okay. We we can survive. Yeah. Don't make it weird. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> Huh. I want to up top say, of course, if you have any questions, comments, comments. Guys, I said comments twice. Ah. <laughs> questions, comments, criticism, commentary right into editor at fanboyplanet.com. I do want to hear back from people. You can also find us, you can tweet us at fanboyplanet. You can also find us on, you can write comments on articles on each and every page. And you can also find us on Facebook at fanboyplanet. So uh, that's, uh, that's where we go. Of course, you probably found this on, on Google Play and uh apple what Apple podcast, and whatever, uh, and uh, so that's where I'm going to go for right now let's let's go into we've got some comics news, some movie news, some TV news. I think the comics news is all kind of blurring because I think the the top story this is the weird thing about uh, traveling, and this always happens like uh, on Sunday night, Jeff Johns tweeted out that he is returning to writing comics. I don't know. did you notice that he had been gone? Not really. No, <laughs> not either. I, I, he's busy overseeing a you know a movie studio.
1: I assumed he was uh, still writing Green Lantern. Is that all right?
0: No, he's he's been gone from Green Lantern for a long time. Me too. A long time. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, I think you left with him. I mean, he he left on a really good note. He came back and did a little uh, rebirth uh, moment, just kind of tweak it. Uh, but he hasn't written anything apparently since DC Rebirth. That, that that special, and he tweeted this image uh, called Doomsday Clock. So it's the the atomic clock or the Doomsday Clock from Watchmen, and let's be honest, real life uh, <laughs> with the S symbol at midnight. So uh, the the Superman symbol. So finally, bringing the uh, the confrontation between Doctor Manhattan and Superman together we will have many other characters as DC's later elaborated the next day with, uh, with the press release.
1: I'm counting on them just getting, getting together and have a nice quiet conversation.
0: I think they should Superman and Dr. Manhattan. Uh, and then I think that, um, Alan Moore will cast a spell and, uh, Donald Trump will take over the entire world. And, uh, <sighs> because that's, that's how angry Alan Moore must be, or he doesn't care at all. And, uh, it, it, it was interesting because since Rebirth, we've known that's been sort of in the in the hopper that uh, Kid Flash came back, uh, the first Wally West came back into reality and said, "Oh, somebody's taken away ten years," and uh, which included losing the entire teen years of Wally West. And um, it can happen. It can happen. Well, some people I, I know probably think their teen years were a blur and maybe blacked it out. Uh, we have the Mr. Oz, who I don't think he's really been confirmed. I mean, we'll just assume. But nobody's come out and actually said, this is Ozymandias. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, it could be. It, it, I, I, the only reason I'm saying no one's come out and said it is because I thought the button was going to be, oh, they're going to go into the Watchman universe, and instead they went into Flashpoint. So, you know, it led into into a slightly different direction. And, uh, and there's been, there was another one, there was a a character running around in Superman that I thought for sure, because the way he was all blurry, that it was Dr. Manhattan. It was going to be the big confrontation and it was revealed a couple of weeks ago to be a different character entirely. I don't want to spoil it if you haven't caught up, uh, but it's definitely a figure from Superman's past. It was just kind of an odd, really? You were leading me to believe one thing. Uh, so the the thing that I probably find most unbelievable about all this is the Jeff Johns promises this is a self contained four issue miniseries with no other crossovers.
1: You mean what's coming up?
0: Doomsday Clock is its own four. It's another four
1: miniseries. inch. Okay. Well, yeah, except the crossover from the previous four issue miniseries. Well, arc.
0: Well, in Superman, but this is its own right, story, right, right, is right. what I'm saying. Sure. You know, so is, is what they're promising. And if you're going to change the universe, and they're only going to require you to buy four books, I find that the most unbelievable thing of all. Uh, you know, so it should be interesting. Jeff uh, Johns and Gary Frank, and I really love Gary Frank's art, so they've got me interested. But it did. I've been spent spent a couple of days kind of thinking. You know. All in all, I get all the commercial reasons why, but did Watchmen need a sequel, a prequel? Do we need Watchmen brought into the DC universe? Was anybody thinking, man, I really want to see what was happening with Doctor Manhattan?
1: There's a little thermometer that they put into it every now and then, say, "Well, oh, there's still a little joy left."
0: There's still, well, yeah, I, because I, I I'd forgotten that they'd done the Watchmen Wa book, so you can buy it in black and white. Yeah. that I mean that's the thing you know that's the, the new thrill uh, the, the fad let's make everything black and white which uh, sure. because I think I, I will flash forward to say here uh, movie wise but I guess it's really for uh, direct to video uh, they just released a trailer today for Logan Noir so the black and white version of Logan which basically <laughs> I saw the headline saying this basically the Logan trailer in black and white is really just straight up a Johnny Cash video.
1: <clears throat> so, I understand they're gonna make it just in two d too
0: wait was logan in three d
1: i'm pretty sure it I was
0: don't, i don't I, I didn't see it in three d no. no i did you're right you're yeah. right i just don't remember it's not one that i thought needed it at all not that any really need it but you know occasionally i see a three d movie where the three d really uh impresses me Kong skull island did i thought a really nice job yeah. Guardians of the galaxy yeah. volume two in three d i thought james Gunn used the the form fairly well um you know so anyway we've got doomsday clock coming there's this big you know universe altering thing um up on fanboy planet i put like here are the books that you probably should read if you're interested like just in case is there anybody left reading comics who hasn't read Watchmen uh you know it's probably but yeah Yeah, and I'm not saying, well, you know, I should say, you know, my son hasn't. I've been waiting for the moment where I thought, yeah, he can handle it. I don't mean to sound dismissive when I say that, because I know people come in at different times. It's like this is, you know, you can't catch up on everything, but, and we just assume that everybody says, oh, Watchmen is the seminal book. Everybody should read it. And then you kind of assume everybody did, but maybe they didn't.
1: Well, maybe I'm just not picking up on what should be obvious. But when I saw, I did see the, I saw the image and I saw the wording doomsday clock and I read no further because like you, I didn't want it to be spoiled. But when I read, when I see the Superman logo and the word doomsday anywhere nearby it, I only, I think of the, uh, the death of Superman, the, the killing machine from Krypton that, uh, mm-hmm. you know. and
0: I think he's in because the implication in previous books, right? Right. Is that a figure who is either, uh, well, okay. Mr. Oz has kidnapped, Doomsday, so we know that Doomsday is a is a key portion of a uh,
1: key ah, figure. Okay.
0: in in this uh, Red Robin, so Tim Drake is is being held captive, right? And and there's a couple of other characters that I, not Pariah, um, maybe you know there, there are other characters that have been involved in kind of basically whose presence in the continuity is awkward because in the New Fifty Two, what. You know, everybody kind of tried to ignore that there was a debt. You know, that there was a death of Superman. There wasn't enough time for Doomsday to have appeared and and killed him. Right. And uh, and so they tried to re- rephrase that. Apparently, in the re- recent rewriting as well, uh, Dan Jurgens has said flat out that Superman and Wonder Woman never had a physical relationship, despite a book that lasted two years devoted essentially to their physical relationship. Right. So that continuity is gone because now it's a different older Superman. And maybe you've been, I think you're a little closer, more up to date. Maybe I just need to ask my son, the other Superman, the new 52 one. Right. Have they really established now with mixes of a having brought the, uh, post crisis, the post crisis, uh, Superman back to continuity. Right. Did that younger one exist at all anymore? Because no one in Metropolis seems to acknowledge there was another one.
1: Yeah, I I have not seen them address that head-on other than the fact that they haven't just means that perhaps it didn't exist anymore. <laughs> See, it's so confusing.
0: It's like I mean, don't
1: don't ask the question if you don't want to hear the answer, you know? When I was writing
0: out, explaining it, what had it led up to Doomsday Clock, it was another one of those moments where I'm, I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if I were just getting into the comics, no wonder people just want to watch the movies. And no wonder people wish the movies were better. And then I think, you know, uh, I mean, the TV version of The Flash is doing its best to to be as convoluted in its, in its continuity as any good DC Universe crossover. But still, I... It, it, it's kind of complicated. And there is a lot of, look over there. To pay no attention to the Superman behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, in some ways, I think is happening with, I, you know, I wanted to talk about Free Comic Book Day, but you brought up specifically one of the books out of Free Comic Book Day, and, and let's go out, which is also controversial over on the Marvel side, which is Secret Empire, where uh, Marvel released a statement a couple of weeks ago, Marvel, I think it was Axel Alonso said, you know, we know you're upset about Secret Empire, we know, but we ask you to be patient, and wait for the end of Secret Empire, and in the meantime, you know, I mean, it was it was taken as, oh, meanwhile, buy Secret Empire, uh, and in eight months, at the end of it, you'll get the end, you'll, you'll get the story you want, and so I realized that a lot of secret empire is kind of convoluted when you start going back over to Marvel with, uh, secret wars and deciding who remembers what. Yes. And it's just, it's gotten just as bad as DC in terms of, which not to say I can keep it all straight, but if you were an outsider coming in and saying, okay, what does Miles Morales remember about living on a different earth where the, when there was uh, Peter Parker who died, but here's Peter Parker over here, uh, you're getting a spectacular Spider-Man, which, I mean, you know, I'm sure you got that pre-comic. That was the back of Secret Empire, wasn't it? Yeah, um, was the spectacular Spider-Man, which looked great, but then it also made me think. I don't even know what point in his life that's supposed to be. And then anything that calls attention to the fact that Mephisto wiped out Mary Jane's and Peter's wedding ju- marriage just ticks me off because <laughs> it's like you've never adequately explained why they broke up. You know. So anyway, or what she uh, said,
1: or what she said,
0: or what the yeah. No, I think that they did come out and say uh, that Mary Jane said, "I want to remember."
1: Yeah, I don't buy that because, yeah, it, it just doesn't fit with the storyline and the way she's been presented.
0: I know. Well, but I mean, that's because I think one writer thought that, and a bunch of other writers didn't.
1: I assume so, I assume that it would meant that we, you know, that that she would have said, but we'll still be. Together around each other, that sort of thing. But you know, they wouldn't be total strangers.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the Secret Empire, or the Free Comic Book Day. What you thought? You know what what worked, and is it still serving its purpose?
1: Well, I, I thought the Secret Empire book itself was a was a good introduction from any level as to what's going on in the series. I thought it was it was it was risk taking to. To use the art style that they did, which was muted reds and blues, almost grays.
0: Here's my question with that. Weren't those the opening pages of Secret Empire number
1: zero? I don't think so. I'd have to go back.
0: And it may just be that you're right. They used these muted panels that I thought I'd seen from the number zero. You know, that I, I felt like I'd read them all but that's because I know I'd read secret number zero and number one. So I already knew right. what was going
1: on. But I think it's uh, leaving that aside, the idea that this is you, free comic book day. You want to tell goods. You want to tell stories. It's best if you can tell a whole story, but you know, the DC and Marvel rarely do. And to have this one with the intriguing last shot of Captain America doing something where we've been led to believe he shouldn't be able to do right now. Um, I thought mm-hmm. there was a nice tease to get people, even those that uh, don't regularly read comics, to go, "Whoa, what's going on here?" and maybe look into it. And,
0: and I, it was it was tied in with Secret Empire. Oh, I'm Sorry, with Spectacular Spider-Man as well. Right, that was the backup. That was it, the second
1: second half of the book was Spectacular Spider-Man. It
0: was right. second half. I'm I'm yeah. I'm blurring like <laughs> which books. Uh, you know, were double stories. Who did uh, a number? You know, a full full issue um, because a lot of company publishers did use these as chances to be samplers of their of their stories uh, of what was going on. And I just lost track, but I I enjoyed this the spectacular Spider Man. Yeah, I think if that was the only one, if I would say one success, I it's interesting. Marvel the Secret Empire because that's the controversial book that everybody's talking about. Yeah, show what that story is about. And then, a Spectacular Spider-Man is yeah. I could imagine going in, and especially if you were excited about Spider-Man: Homecoming, and picking that up and thinking, well, he's older, but it's it's funny, you know, and, and it looks like a fun book. And I personally love Chip Zdarsky and love what he did with Howard the Duck. So I am, uh, I find myself suddenly going, all right, I could, I'm okay with a Spectacular Spider-Man revival if Zdarsky, you know, is writing as funny as uh as he did with howard uh it, it's interesting and the idea of of the young peter parker who i always think of as a young superhero being dissed by mi- by millennials <laughs> you know was a is a clever twist so um, yeah I'm, I'm down with that uh i'm thinking secret empire though like like Watchmen. uh sh- I don't think people would find it controversial if they'd done this as just like an almost a a what-if.
1: Um, yeah, you know, it it kind of, I suspect at the end of it all, it's going to be somewhat of a what-if because it's going to be, it's a Cosmic Cube story. Sure, sure. So things are going to get reset, and I don't think Cap's going to be a bad guy at the end of it, and... No, I think what's
0: interesting is it's almost like, which I just noticed was reprinted by DC in, in hardcover, uh... The Golden Age, the uh, miniseries that James Robinson made a splash with originally years ago.
1: I don't remember that one.
0: Do you remember that one? Oh my know. gosh, Rick! You, if you don't remember it, if you if you never read it, you need to. It's uh, I think it's Paul Smith on art, and uh, it was with the Justice Justice Society, and it was what happened after uh, the Justice Society basically broke up post World War II. And it was it's, was originally posited as an Elseworlds, but a lot of the things that James Robinson put in there got retconned into continuity, and it's w- why he got Starman, basically. Um, but right. it it was it focused on uh, uh, Dan uh, TNT and Dan the Dynamite, and a lot of characters that were, you know Robot Man, the original Robot Man, not the uh, not Cliff Steele. Um, the one from World War II. And so a lot of those characters that have been kind of more like it, it relegated to the All-Star Squadron, what they did in the time in between, and basically... And it, it came down to why you didn't know who they were in the in the 60s, why they hadn't shown up in okay. Justice League or in Justice Society. It's And uh, it was also... It was the first time that they acknowledged... Uh, that they explained that, like, uh, our man was a drug addict. That Miraclo had, you know... Had, was making Rex Tyler, uh, you know, making him addicted, and and so all those little things kind of seeped into continuity later. But it, but that's what um, Secret Empire reminds me of. Really strong, cool story that people wouldn't be upset about if they weren't if the news wasn't telling them
1: everything. The time. This is this is yeah. what's
0: happened to Captain America. He's yeah. a Nazi. Uh, he's an alt Hydra.
1: Um, he's a black man. He's well, you know,
0: there is. Yes. Yeah. And no, I'd no. be happy, with it, you know, but yeah, no, yeah. exactly. Yeah.
1: Uh, and, yeah.
0: And, and I do see a lot of people that are upset. I, I still go back to art reading comics anyway. I get that com- those kinds of comments on, on yeah. you know, all the time from from friends who are like, how could they do this? And like, when was the last time you bought the book anyway? Right. Well, admittedly, thirty years ago, but you know, I was like, then you can go back and you can still buy that book, that story, that version. You know, uh, <laughs> this is this is interesting. And you picked up the DC book. Now, I uh, it was the Wonder Woman rebirth, right? I ha- I haven't actually read it yet. I, neither have I. Okay. I just assumed uh, I went for the obscure, or you're not the obscure, but but the things that I wouldn't have picked up normally. Yeah. You know that I wouldn't be buying normally just to see if what what would work. Basically, uh, you know, I was, I was intrigued. Uh, Underdog came back, and, and for people looking for a family book, I thought I, when Underdog becomes a, a regular series, the interesting thing was they have the rights to the Gold Key books uh, from, the from like, 1970 of Underdog. Uh-huh. So they're reprinting. They're doing new stories with Underdog and reprinting old. So if there's nostalgia and you want to give to a kid or a grandkid, or niece or nephew. uh, It's actually, I think a pretty good, you know, it wasn't great. I picked up the Star Trek book from IDW and, and, and here's, they're doing a mirror universe one. It's that JK Woodard who did the doctor who Star Trek crossover. Yeah. I've seen
1: that solicited. yeah.
0: Yeah. His paintings are great. I mean, he makes people look great. I still, it's, I think it's better storytelling than he did on the doctor who Star Trek crossover. But as a book, What I thought was interesting, I think IDW kind of blew it, that um, the Mirror Universe story – it was a good intro to the Mirror Universe story. I thought that was very solid. Scott and David Tipton – I I know Scott. I don't know his brother. Um, I think it's David – wrote, I think, a pretty good next-generation Mirror Universe uh, story – and, I, and the miniseries may be really cool, but the backup stories were were tastes of other Star Trek books. And literally, the Kelvin timeline Star Trek story was three pages of characters greeting each other. Okay. And I thought if I didn't, you know, I, I, I'm not buying those Star Trek books anyway. No, no. I pick. Sometimes I pick up the trades
1: uh-huh. because
0: I hear, you know, good good uh character you know or or i hear it's a good storyline so i picked up some and enjoyed the trades but if i were not already like oh man i'm really i really want to see more adventures of of that you know that wouldn't make me want to buy more it it was just kind of like oh great they said hello i'm glad they're all on speaking terms uh (laughs) so i think marvel did the right thing you know as you point out there uh the best value for Free Comic Book Day, honestly, I cannot believe how solid. Well, Bongo, uh, the Bongo Comics, oh, really? was a really great sampler of uh, Simpson stories, all self-contained, great little. It reminded me of picking up when I was a kid. Uh, not that I equate Simpsons with these, but like, you know, if you get a Harvey Digest or, or an Archie Comics Digest, you know, you, you had a lot of stories you could read and reread, and the and the Bongo Comics was like that. The best book was really SpongeBob SquarePants.
1: Oh my, okay,
0: huge story, great Mocking Free Comic Book Day. So kids get it was like Mad Magazine's parody of of, of Free Comic Book Day, set in Bikini Bottom, uh, in which on the first page they literally called out Diamond for being a monopoly, and <laughs> I was like. Wow. I mean it was just it was just bold. It was great. But it was also a really high quality book. And for being free. Like the paper stock was thick. Uh, you know, there was a lot of care and detail into the packaging of it. The real winner of Free Comic Book Day was uh Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man Tell No Tales. Oh really? Because I think the ad was on every single free comic book.
1: Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, no, it's, I, it's the I. don't. Thir- it's the third page in. You know.
0: Yeah. It was on the back cover of many, and and uh, no matter who the publisher was, yeah. so I thought that was just kind of kind of funny. Very clever of Disney. Um, although, as you may note in the news this week, that pirates have taken Pirates of the Caribbean hostage, and are trying to blackmail Disney into paying a Bitcoin ransom, or they will release uh Dead man tell no tales ten minutes at a time on the internet.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: Well, every day. They don't pay. I'm like <sighs> Yeah. Anyway. So uh, so
1: uh I had one other one other book that I did pick up that I thought was really good from Marvel uh was The Guardians of the Galaxy uh free comic book day.
0: Oh yeah 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 I All picked new. that up as well.
1: And I thought it was it was nicely blended. It was, you know it is the Marvel team it's the same thing as the other what was it were there just three <laughs> the last time we did what's in the bag there <laughs> yes were, there yes. were three guardians books so here's a here's a, four in one month um but uh they incorporate With
0: a good one-off story no and yeah, they, which led into something else and they yeah, incorporated
1: which... a number of aspects of the movie that you didn't normally see like uh you get to hear his uh his cassette tape do free bird and you know yeah just, just uh, nicely, nicely integrated with the movie again to get people coming out of the movie, come in and buy a comic book and a, a good little Avengers tease in the back. They're bringing Diamondback, uh, Luke Cage. Uh, Diamondback Defenders. is coming Defenders. back. Defenders, not Avengers. Defenders. You're right, yeah. Defenders. Um, back from uh, well, it's Heroes for Hire. <laughs> There's a banner and Heroes for Hire. Well, in the, in and
0: he's one, one of the villains of the of the Luke Cage Netflix. Movie. Oh yeah. So that was uh, yeah. Thanks to Marvel Comics Unlimited, I actually, for the first time yesterday, on the train into work, read Luke Cage, uh, Power Man, uh, issue number one. Oh, wow. So, actually That's did, the I pri- now read read the origin story and uh, and the first appearance of Diamondback. It's
1: so, a prison breakout. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. I gotta say,
0: I think, uh, despite some uh, stereotypes, that book actually still holds up as a really good read. Yeah, and it was a nice surprise. So, uh, to be honest, I going back into old Iron Fist, I have not enjoyed as much. But uh, Luke Cage, I'm going to thank heavens for Marvel Comics Unlimited. So, uh, you also you mentioned there's a couple of electronic comics uh, updates, something with Viz Media. So, so yeah, the educate me.
1: The first one is um, Viz Media announced that they're going to be available in libraries via OverDrive Digital, which. OverDrive is a ebook lending program that's been incorporated by a lot of libraries. Our local library here, at San Jose, the San Jose library, is a, is such a place where you can go on their website and check out without leaving your house a um, an ebook version of a, a number of titles. You can actually filter on ebook, and and then they get downloaded to your ebook reader, your Kindle, or your computer, or whatever. Um, you can't keep them, and it's it, they're they're DRM'd, but you can get them. And Viz is making over 100 new, 100 Viz series um, available on uh, uh, on Overdrive, uh, including uh, Seventh Garden, Black Clover. There's there's a lot of stuff that you don't normally see, hear about with manga, like Kuroko's Basketball and Lucky Star, um, uh, Tokyo Ghoul. Uh, is uh, is available on it, too. So uh, this, I think, this is pretty pretty awesome. I wish, uh, I'm, I'm hoping this will mean things like, you know, maybe some libraries will get some of the Golden Age comics there or things that Marvel and DC have decided they're not going to be able to monetize anymore will be available, so.
0: Well, I know, when I ran a piece a few months ago, and now I'm blanking on the name of the other comics reader service for libraries um, that DC had signed a deal an image with, with this other one, what I'd be interested in, and anybody uh, who's got feedback on this right into editor at fanboyplanet.com uh, would be, you know, I know a library that libraries, uh, if you go into a graphic novel section, they're overwhelmed by manga, just as going into a Barnes and Noble uh, is certainly overwhelming with manga. Although other graphic novels are, sort, are, are gaining, gaining, uh, you know, headway. Yeah. Um, and to me, I mean, one of the, I think, strong things about manga have been they've been more readable and slant and disposable, um, you know, in a way that comics, you know, you bag them. I don't think you really bag your manga. You just have that book on the shelf. And so I would just be curious, uh, with, with their popularity in, in libraries and bookstores, uh, does it make a difference reading manga Digitally is anybody out there? Is that a preferred method of, of consumption? I assume Viz is on Comicsology as well. I think it. I think actually, <coughs> there's, there's, or they um, have their own service.
1: Um, Viz Media had done, um, had done the uh, the sh- weekly Shonen Jump book, and mm-hmm. it used to be published in in the, the traditional uh, phone book style. Yeah pulpy book, but they stopped doing that a number of years ago, and they've been strictly electronically distributed since then.
0: Um, so there must be some success to that model, just as we go with Marvel, that allegedly, and I don't know if this is still true, but that Ms. Marvel stays in print because they sell so much more digitally...
1: Really? Interesting. ...than
0: they, than they do. Well, that's what they said initially. Um, you know, so that's one of the arguments against when you say that people uh, you know, for... I guess that's when we go back to that controversy about Marvel and helping retail and saying sales are down is the question is, are are there are there people finding their books that aren't going to retailers? Because we're talking about direct comic shops. Right.
1: Well, there's there's also um, Crunchyroll, which is the subscriber service to watch um, watch anime services. And not only that, but you can watch them simultaneously as they come out in Japan, which is just astonishing. But they have, as part of their service, you can read older manga. You, they have, they oh. have a ton of stuff. And because there are there are still a lot of tight fittings between the manga release and the anime release, things like fairy tales, like there's a, hundreds of issues of fairy tale uh, and a couple hundred uh, episodes of manga as well. So people who are into fairy tale are usually into both of those. So, yeah. Do you sleep? Uh, I don't read all of them. <laughs> okay, I'm just curious.
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> you speak as if you are, and I'm like, how all right, I love up
1: on this stuff? I love Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll's but awesome. But I
0: realize one of the things is uh, y- y- your son is uh, much older than mine. Uh, yeah. And so when you're with him, you probably don't have to spend this.
1: <laughs> I realized
0: my, you know, on the flip side, my son is to the point of, you know what we did Saturday? This was really cool. He just said, Dad, it's, nice, it's a nice day out let's read comics on the back in the backyard. (laughs) We just sat and read comics for two hours. It was nice. It was like, and I caught up on a few books. It was nice. Uh, So you, there was another electronics thing you mentioned, about Comics
1: also related uh, to, um, to electronic comics is that Kindle, uh, who is, uh, you know, the Amazon Kindle and, and Amazon's electronic books, and they have a relationship with Comixology, where you buy. Well, basically, they are they are they are the e e comic version arm of Amazon, um, and they have the best uh, reader for uh, for e-, e comics digital comics. Um, their their comic reading technology essentially lets you read a comic on a phone by doing this. Terrific job of panning and stretching and guiding you through a comics page, which actually is, in some cases, superior to reading the comics page. Because you ever been in one of those situations where you're not sure which word balloon comes next? It's because of the way they're laid out on the page. You know, does it do I go down from here, or do I go to the right from here, mm-hmm. or whatever? And the book, the guided readers, will take you through all that stuff and let you. Well,
0: and you have that option with story. Marvel Comics Unlimited.
1: Yeah. So, uh, which
0: sometimes they do well, and sometimes they don't.
1: And Kindle, of course, is not as big as an iPad. Um, it's t- they don't have a. They I think they had a black and white larger one that they were trying to do for magazines. I don't know that it's still made anymore. Mostly the Kindles are the kind of like the iPad mini size or a little bit larger. But they have just Kindle has just gotten a guided view for their books, which now makes the Kindle reader, which you can get quite cheap. You can get it for under a hundred dollars. I think. Close to fifty dollars for some of them, uh, but it, yeah, it dropped quite a bit. It now gets you now get guided view uh, in the Kindle, which makes the uh, the reading of comics uh, a pleasure. I, I they're actually maybe half the books that I buy that have a digital code. I read digitally because I just load up my iPad, and when I'm on a plane, I blast mm-hmm. through twenty twenty issues uh, between touchdown. And uh, take off and Touchdown. So um, really good news for Amazon. Amazon is like one of the top consumer technology innovators now, and uh, moving all their, their e-products uh, closer together instead of bifurcating and making them compete with each other, I think it's wonderful. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. Comic book so, readers win. Let's, let's turn to print comics, because uh, you still can't get them in a virtual bag. So what what's in your bag this week as in last Wednesday because we
1: kind yeah. So uh I've uh, got we'll, we'll continue with uh Secret uh, Empire and the first uh standard book that I picked up which is a Secret Empire tie-in um which is Secret Warriors number 1 and this takes me back to the last time I think it was I believe it was uh Oh, I can't remember the name. But what was the one where the the hammer took over Shield, and uh, the villains were running?
0: What was? Oh, the, what was? The? <laughs> we we've lost track of our cross. I can't
1: remember that. I, I Dark, had,
0: no, dark not,
1: rain. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. I was thinking of dark. I I kept on to say darkest night, and that was wrong. Um, no, no, Dark rain. Yeah, basically in that you had Hammer taking over S.H.I.E.L.D. and one of the major point plots was that Nick Fury went on the run and Nick Fury is well known for, uh, he's in better homes, better safe houses and gardens. Um, he had all these safe houses all over the world and he had a list of what he called Caterpillars, which were superheroes that had not yet graduated from being uh, people with powers to actually being superheroes that he activated and you had the Secret Warriors. as a... Uh, uh, Bendis, like, Bendis barely, and Hickman. Right.
0: we and we have talked about him on on old podcasts because uh, Agents of Shield on television
1: picked up the sh- sort of promised and
0: never it. and didn't really deliver it well.
1: Well, but, they had Yo Yo yeah. and Yo Yo's Yo Yo's in this book, um, and Good. Uh, Good. yeah, like the, basically the the uh, the concept. I think they actually carried through with a number of uh, of Inhumans as their secret warriors, but. It was kind of yeah. muddled because they were also charted with saving the humans from uh, dastardly plans. Anyway, uh, this book, you've got Daisy Johnson, Quake, uh, as the uh, stand-in for Nick Fury, and she's actually doing pretty good. And then the mix of characters... Do you know the mix of characters in this book? Have you, have you glanced at it or whatever? I didn't
0: pick it up. Um, I'm trying to... I... You know, I'm trying to trim my list a little bit. I understand.
1: Bit. I understand. But when I saw who was in this, I kind of, oh yeah, okay, I got, I got to buy that one. Um, you have, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but you got uh, uh, Devil Dinosaur and Moon Girl and Karnak and Ms. Marvel. That's all I'm going to say. It, oh
0: no, see, that's right. I remember Perry at Elusive Comics and Games uh, actually asked me if I wanted this book, and it only t- it ticked me off a little bit. Yeah, that they were doing it because I like Ms. Marvel in Champions. Yeah, and and so I like I don't want another book, uh, which you know I'm still reading and loving. Uh, by the way, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, I think it's it's great, and I'd like to know what it's what the sales on that are. But uh, no. It's, it's, I'm sure it's good. I'm just uh...
1: it's going to be a fun book. I'm going to enjoy it, and it's also uh, whoever's doing the layout. I don't know. I guess it's primarily the people who are doing the layout are probably the art, artist people or uh, artists. Um, but the way that Bendis and continued by Hickman broke out the chapters in the book is is the same way. You've got the same kind of layout. You got this uh, all caps uh, two line subtitles for each of the. Four or five chapters in the book. Uh, it's if you if you enjoyed the previous Secret Warriors, you're going to be taken right back to it with this book.
0: All right, all right. I'm going to go and do something a little daring. Oh, um, well, just because I uh, I had sort of given up on Young Animal, but really, uh, a, a little bit. Okay. I, I'm behind. Uh, I didn't really like what, it Mother Panic. Okay. Um, I oh, I know what one. you picked
1: up. I maybe not. Okay, go ahead.
0: Bug, the Adventures of Forager. Forager,
1: I was, I yeah.
0: I'm, I'm fascinated. You know, I, I, now I'm wondering if that's why uh, Bug disappeared from the Guardians of the Galaxy. If somehow DC owns the trademark for that as a as a character, but uh, I thought, uh, you know, I was caught by, oh, it's Mike, it's Mike Allred, yeah. Uh, or actually, I guess it's the whole Allred family, uh, <laughs> and so. Um, It did not go where I thought it was going to go, and I am hooked in it being uh, a journey through, I think, the more, uh, you know, some of Jack Kirby's more bizarre, obscure 70s, um, you know, know, uh, characters. I had forgotten, I'm going to say, when there's there's a thing that this includes, there are... There are mo- there are things here that are teasing that uh, he's going to uh, well he this issue he encounters m- my strangely favorite version of Sandman which Neil Gaiman Sandman ruined uh, I'll, I'll, I'll not say it they, they kind of did um, as a concept you know destroyed it as a concept literally uh, the red and yellow uh, Sandman
1: who was yes. the guardian
0: of the dream demand- with dimension with
1: glo- Glob and Brut and Glob Brut and Glob. Yeah.
0: Uh, but there's also a look at the uh, the purple and gold, the Wesley Dodd version of Sandman that Jack Kirby and Joe Simon had redesigned. Black Racer. There, Dead Man was involved in one of the Fourth World books for a while, too, wasn't he?
1: Uh, like
0: he crossed over into the Forever People, I think. Something odd. like He, he just didn't I, look like it should fit. I know fit, he, he, was- he
1: crossed over into a Swamp Thing.
0: No, but he was in a Kirby book.
1: He was? Okay.
0: He was in one of the fourth world, because I remember the cover, and going, what? Jack Kirby drew Dead Man? The Jack Kirby Manhunters there, uh, and Atlas.
1: Atlas, yeah, I was, I'd seen that. And,
0: and, and the first issue special character, and so I, I think this is you know an exploration of some of the weirder stuff that Kirby did for DC, um, including, of course, OMAC. And it's all kind of crossing over, and I just know I'm going to love this book. I mean, I I love the first issue.
1: When you said you Uh, were done with Young Animal, I'm going, but you haven't read Bug yet. And, of course, you did. Yeah, so, so, you uh, you
0: know, I kind of enjoyed Doom Patrol just got weird, and and they stopped pulling it, and I was like, okay. But the fact that this is actually a sequel to the first Sandman story from first issue special Uh is... You know, I, I I'm loving the depth of this, and and I love Mike Allred, and and, and uh, he like he he and Steve Rude when they do their take on Kirby. Oh yeah, it feels right.
1: There's so much joy, even in. though it doesn't
0: look anything like Kirby. There's just you jo- know
1: joy and appreciation of of what yeah. he put together. Yeah,
0: yeah, they do what an, you know what what the best artists do is they borrowed, they stole, and they made it their own. And uh, so you know that's I'm. I'm down with that. So, uh, yeah, what's next in your
1: Well, sorry to see it come, but what a what a fun journey it's been. We got issue number 12 of Future Quest this week.
0: Oh, that was on my stack. Good, good.
1: Which is uh, basically all the characters running down to the end, and this has just been such a fun book. Just such a, you know.
0: And I want a new quest. Why can't we have a new
1: quest? Yeah, I, I'd be happy if they, you know, they just broke out a couple like let's let's just have uh, Space Ghost and Birdman hang out for a while and then uh, you know the the uh, I just I'd love to have another Johnny Quest series because yeah. I never got tired of of the uh, give me a Johnny Quest series
0: and then you could bring the other characters in as yeah, guest stars every occasion. now and then. Sure. Um, although I wouldn't be surprised if they tried a. Uh, a Space Ghost solo book in a couple of months.
1: That'd be cool too. No this But I
0: I think editorially they just want to make room so that they can try these other new concepts. I saw Jimmy Palmiotti post something about his Jetsons miniseries. Yeah. So being open and up honest upfront about that. Um and there's gonna be a Snagglepuss miniseries and good lord will we see the banana splits again? <laughs> Did you read that once? Yeah. <laughs> that was so bizarre.
1: I yeah. Well, I don't think there was an, There hasn't been an iteration of the banana splits that it hasn't been bizarre.
0: Well, I know, but it was. <laughs> what I'm trying to figure out is: Do they are they saying? Well, they are clearly saying because Top Cat is supposed to run around in Gotham City, uh, in the regular DC universe. So clearly, the weird thing is the banana split Suicide Squad crossover could actually be in continuity. And I'm perplexed by that. Uh, I My other, uh, my second book is actually also a uh, Hanna-Barbera redo because I had to take another look. This is actually a Luke recommendation because uh, for Scooby Apocalypse, which was number 13. And we, we paid attention to it when it first came out. Uh-huh. And he, uh, so I thought, uh, he, he mentioned it, uh, called it out because he said, the book was weird. I didn't like it, and now I do. Wow. And, like, it's actually gotten to the whole plot. One, I think they've got... Uh, I hadn't noticed that they had changed artists. Dale Eaglesham and Tom Derenick are doing it now with backup stories of the of the Scooby Apocalypse version of Scrappy-Doo, which, uh, I've got to say, uh, I'll agree with my son. Was a much better take on... Oh, it's the least annoying scrappy doo of them all and uh, <laughs> okay. so okay this have you have you read it no the setup is that scrappy doo also escaped from the same lab he's further along in the experiment that created scooby that gave scooby the rudimentary intelligence that scooby has um, scrappy is is a later iteration and he's running with a pack of dogs but they find the boy and they're they an unchanged by nanite boy that Scrappy is protecting and trying to find. He's like adopted the boy as a pet but they're trying to survive and it's uh, you know, so while the Mystery Incorporated gang are fighting, uh, you know, monsters in New York City with a very thinly veiled Donald Trump uh, character uh, these backup stories are just like well, here's a boy and his dog or a dog and his boy going through the the post-apocalypse and it's it, I totally get you know I think I, I don't know what it was about it originally that bothered my son but now it's gone it's it, it's a book that I didn't think was going to last I thought people would be just kind of like ah, that's silly yeah. and it's actually uh, I went back in and read it and it's it's really good so uh, you know if you
1: did the Velma character come around to being likable? yes okay
0: yeah, I mean, they're awkward. It's almost like a, I, it suddenly reminded me of Guardians of the Galaxy. They don't like each other very much, but they formed a fami- family. Yeah. And they're getting better, and they're getting nicer. And I like that's, that Shaggy is smart. So if you didn't know, if you weren't a Scooby Doo reader, uh, Scooby Doo, you know, if you didn't watch it, watch the cartoon, this is just a really good concept in and of its own. So I, I give them credit for that. Okay. What's next on yours?
1: Well, the last thing in my stack is uh, it's a it's a hardback collection about an adventurer who moves around in time uh, with companions, and he's got this strange time machine. It's kind of tall and a little boxy, and uh, well, not really boxy; it's more rounded. Um, Are you
0: buying like every version of, every time they gather the rook? I am. <laughs> this is like this
1: is like Shield.
0: They could just, if Marvel wanted to stay open business, just by sending you new ways of publishing Shield.
1: <laughs> no, but this is this is volume one of the archive from uh, Erie Magazine.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. And it so not pu- that redo. That it's been we published. About
1: it. It's been published by Dark Horse. Um, and three years ago, when I went to my first Doc Savage con in Arizona. Uh, one of the guys that was there was um, was uh, Ben Dubay, son of Bill Dubay. And he, uh, it wasn't a uh, talk about Doc Savage, of course, but he talked about his plan for bringing his father's work back into press and for bringing a new series together. Now, they did put together a new series. It was illustrated by... Uh, Paul Galassi, Galassi. And,
0: and you, uh, you recommended it, and I it, recommended
1: it. It yeah. was, uh, it was really good. This is the first six stories, uh, that came out of, uh, those, uh, Warren magazines. It was, uh, at first, it was first in, I'm pretty sure it was Erie, um, but then, uh, the Rook had his own book for a while. It was, uh, Warren presents the Rook as a, a, a full-size, um, Black what's and the white price?
0: Book. What's the price point on this? You just said it was a hardcover.
1: This this was amazingly inexpensive. It was only nineteen dollars ninety nine cents U.S.
0: I want to say Dark Horse is doing a really good job of making affordable hardcovers. Yeah,
1: it's a it's a it's a lacquered uh, hardcover finish. There's no dust jacket on it, uh, but that's great. I'm, I'm is
0: it kind I'm, of like your, uh, that that Jungle Tales Tarzan they did last year.
1: Uh, yeah. Only this is larger. It's it's a it's a bigger it's more it's the size of that the, the uh, magazine pages would have oh,
0: been. oh yeah sure right because yeah. we should call that out for people that don't know Erie uh, these black and white Warren they were magazines not comics they were but so they
1: were, what's, are, yeah. what's super cool about it it's got an introduction by by Ben talking about um, a number of things including the fact that they had a fully painted uh, Rook cover that was done by Paul Galassi, Um that got edited when it actually made. They cut out all the background stuff, so they reproduced the cover in full here. They have a gallery, full color gallery of all the the covers from the the books that were um, that were published that are represented in the uh, in the in volume one. Um, and you get in each one of the stories, you get the full layout of what was in the magazine, including uh, side articles and advertisements and letter pages and you know so it's really kind of cool to so it's a real archive yeah you you hear dear cousin eerie a rook contest you know there's all kinds of neat stuff in here so real real um well done archive really an archive not not just a cleaned up set of stories but a real archive of this volume one just came out volume two comes out i think in another three or four months
0: they gotta pace it yeah uh, last online will be then, just uh, people get ready for the trade paperback, of the Star Trek Green Lantern crossover, oh. which I, I think is a little bit stronger than some of the other Star Trek crossovers have been. Um, because I like that the Star Trek Green Lantern uh, is creating its own continuity, and I've mentioned that before. So Stranger Worlds uh, it has finished. So the sequel will come out as trade trade paperback called Stranger Worlds. There is one on it. Uh, trade paperback now called The Spectrum War. That was when the uh, Lanterns first went over into the Kelvin timeline uh, for a parallel timeline to the Kelvin timeline. Um, and this one uh, has, has involved basically what the, the Guardians had not yet gotten around to creating uh, the Green Lantern core in this universe. And so these extra-dimensional Lanterns have to race to find, find the battery and uh, help uh, f- the Guardians figure out what they should be doing with it. Uh, so, and of course, you know, you've got basically, if you squint, it's it's Chris Pine, uh, you know, fighting alongside Hal Jordan, and it's just, a, it, it, it's fun. It's a good, solid story, and I like that they've created their own uh, storyline, uh, continuity to go forward. I could see a third one happening and and enjoy it whereas i think the many of the other crossovers have been like they close off you can't really do doctor who and star trek that closed off legion superheroes and star trek that closed off it was a nice one-off way back when x-men and star trek it closed off you know so this is one that goes on i don't know how planet of the apes and and star trek uh or green lantern uh will do you know but anyway uh it's my last recommendation there let's talk a little bit about movies This just in today, uh, great geek news that Simon Pegg and Nick Frost have announced they're creating their own production company called Stolen Pictures. And they're actually actually not uh, writing and directing themselves. They're basically producing scripts they like and are not even going to be in their first one, which is called Slaughterhouse Rules with a Z at the end, uh, slaughterhouse rules, uh, about an, an elite prep school, uh, that, that apparently is super competitive, super snobby and then a hell mouth appears. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so the basically useless upper crust children of, of British society have to fight demons. So, uh, it should be interesting. I just like, you know, these are guys that, uh,
1: Oh, they don't get saved I, by the geeks. It's not you know the, the, I, I
0: don't know. I mean, yeah. it might be. It might be. You know, there's not a lot of news. It just said, "Oh yeah, we've we've already got our first film uh, lined up," and so I just think it's great that these guys who are, of course, fan favorites. I honestly don't think that I've seen a movie from them uh, or with them in it. Uh, that you know whether it be starring, uh, you know, if they've written or directed that I haven't loved you know certainly the blood and Cornetos trilogy uh paul way back when that love letter to comic-con culture uh you know that they're they're putting their money where their mouth is and then i think it's great giving other people a leg up and i think it's really cool news that i wanted to talk about last week is uh that uh fox is moving forward with their new mutants film uh which they did announce today their uh,
1: second new mutants film
0: well, yeah, technically, yeah. <laughs> but the first one called New Mutants. Uh, so uh, they did, They confirmed what people have said, speculated for at least a year, that Maisie Williams uh, is going to play Wolfsbane. Yeah. Uh, what's, that, Ron, what's her name? Rain? Rain uh, Sinclair. Rain Sinclair. Yeah. And Anya Taylor-Joy is magic, and Anya Taylor-Joy is uh, the heroine of Split. And also in a movie that I really want to watch, but, I'm a, but it's one of those that I'm really afraid uh, will creep me out if I'm watching by myself. The Witch.
1: Mm, I haven't seen or that.
0: V. Itch. Uh, the way it's the the way the font <laughs> goes, um, it's like a 16th century Puritan you know, witch story, and apparently she is tremendous in it. She was really good in Split. I'm just surprised. I, I shouldn't be surprised because I think you know Fox just messes with their continuity with. What mutants are where, but um, because she seems older. But I guess magic, magic aged Ileana She aged uh, when she
1: was in the demon. She was dimension. magically
0: aged. She was stuck in the demon dimension. So uh, I think she's got the strength in the spine. Uh, James McAvoy will not be in New Mutants, but uh, Michael Fassbender uh, will be. They announced today that Magneto. Will oh, interesting. In New mutants. Hmm. So I, you know, I was trying to think of that. Way back when, looking at the, uh, mentally pulling up my New Mutants Marvel graphic novel number five, four, um, when they first did it, I can't remember if that was if Xavier was still in charge or if that was that time period.
1: There, uh, there was a time Magneto period when he first
0: became the leader. Yeah, after Xavier X-Men was 200. either dead
1: or sidelined somehow, and and uh, and it was one of those ones where really we're he gonna was be, taken off to space. We're going to be oh, that's right. He went off with the with. Uh, the, the, CR. the CR yeah um and and uh, <laughs> we know
0: too much stop us it was um
1: a, he went off on his honeymoon or, that's you know, right that's right and yes. uh and it was always like uh oh really magneto's gonna be leading us sure right we got to keep an eye on this guy so we'll let him lead us so we can keep an eye on him yeah
0: Right, but I don't remember if he was in charge when the New Mutants were formed, or if that, or if Xavier was in that. I think I just,
1: it, was, it was after. It was after the New Mutants. Of yeah. Legend so I, anyway, I mean,
0: it doesn't matter because Marvel will change every. You know, Fox yeah. will change everything on Marvel anyway. Uh, I, I want to turn over to DC just a little bit because people were complaining a week ago that there was not enough attention being paid to Wonder Woman. However, apparently awareness has raised in the last week, and I don't know what it necessarily necessarily made the difference but <clears throat> i want to officially remind people that wonder woman will be coming on june uh 4th or june 3rd uh and uh and it's funny that of course, this week in the wake of people going yeah wonder woman's actually might be pretty good uh that there are rumors again that justice league is going back for massive reshoots uh and perhaps uh being rescored to a different queen song uh, so I, you know, I no, I I I don't know. I I think I I feel like they are floundering because I've heard that Aquaman started shooting as well, and I think that they're just you know once again, unsurprisingly, DC's floundering because DC Films, not DC Comics, DC Films is floundering because they put a plan into place that nobody wanted, that nobody responded to when they first did it. So. uh you know, it's
1: uh Which which, also, which plan are you referring to as far as
0: Wh where they just announced all the movies and what was gonna what was gonna happen and they were gonna be, you know because... following the tone of Batman v right, Superman. Right, right. And uh, you know, they that I think once again they're running scared and reactive. I think if Wonder Woman is good I hope Wonder Woman is good, but I think if it's good it's because Patty uh Patty Jenkins just made the movie she wanted to make.
1: Well, they, they hadn't they hadn't built any credibility when they made all those announcements. They had, they'd done right, nothing right. but nothing but destroy credibility. So, were you supposed to get excited about a bunch of characters that you haven't proven, proven to us that you can handle anyway? That
0: we would get right, yeah. especially when every time you they had ventured out previously outside of Batman, uh, and even then with mixed results. You know, is <laughs> you had Catwoman. I still remember that at Comic-Con. Uh-huh. I, don't think, I, I don't think you were there that year. One of the last times I went to a Hall H panel, and they announced Batman Begins. And a guy got up and asked the question, and, and uh, like they had a video from Christian Bale. It was like, Christopher Nolan's involved. It's going to be great. And this guy got up and said, You have the gall to tell us that you are going to give us the movie we want the day after you opened Catwoman <laughs> uh, how it felt to be you know and of course remember Catwoman followed followed Steel you know Oh yeah, <laughs> which I still get night sweats and I haven't even seen the whole movie um I can't I can't do it uh, you know I think one thing we fail, failed to mention is uh, also that the Flash got pushed back you know after losing what two screenwriters three directors uh two French hens and a partridge in a pear tree. I was going to go it,
1: there, but I figured you would too.
0: Now The Flash is, uh, I think, scheduled for 2020.
1: Wow. Okay. Ezra
0: Miller is going to just, you know, age out of the role right, before right, we to right, see whether right. we like him or not. Uh, right. So it's just, or maybe they should just drop it, you know, because you've got a really great yeah. Flash TV series. And not every one of those characters needs to have a movie. You know, um, well, the,
1: drop, I mean, drop the movie and bring in um, the TV Flash. No, they the won't do that. that,
0: and there's no way that they will do that. But I mean, just just because they're there in the Justice League doesn't mean that they have to be. Just just as they don't all get solo books, um, you, you can try, but then those books get canceled. Yeah, uh, you, you know, it's uh, it's just the way it is. you don't need to have all these symbols, especially when they're also saying they're going to have four Gotham City related. Movies, Batman-related movies in 2019. That's all we can handle. Ah, uh, You know, I, it's just too much. Uh, can but,
1: can oh, can we handle it? I don't think we can handle it.
0: I have hopes for the for the Batman. Yeah, because of, of Matt Reeves. Um, I have hopes for Batgirl. I have hopes for Gotham Sirens because I think that Margot uh, Robbie gets Harley Quinn. Yeah. I think she was one of the best things about Suicide Squad, no doubt. And I'll still stand by the movie is 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 painful to watch in a lot of places and yet there are, are yet it's clear that most of the actors really get the characters they're playing. And it's too bad they're not in a movie that makes sense. Yeah. You know, so that's that's that. Uh last week had we recorded on Thursday, we would have still been geeking out, so let's geek out now. Uh kind of on a, a theme of movies we didn't think we needed or wanted, and suddenly the trailer looked really good without being set to a, looking like a music video, Blade Runner 2049. Yes. Uh, that, uh, if you have not, if somebody listening has not checked out that trailer, but if you're listening, you have checked out that trailer, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, It was a moment of like, I, there was nothing about that, the announcement of that movie that made any sense to me because I love that film as a perfect Blade Runner, uh, as a perfect little movie in itself. About every every six months, I make an homage to the Bradbury building and just stand at the foot of the steps and imagine going up to the staircase and imagine going up to Deckard's apartment. And,
1: uh, you know, it's... uh, Let me ask you a question, though. uh Uh-huh. So, Blade Runner, the original movie, this is a sequel. Yeah. We got Harrison Ford in it. Mm-hmm. we don't have, uh, what's her name? Uh, Sean Young. Sean Young.
0: Oh, I called that out very clearly on Family Planet. Right.
1: Although, you know, let me say this. She might be in it. True. But now now let, let's ask this question. Which Blade Runner is this a, se- a pre a sequel to?
0: Now, you know, you, you're asking a good question. And for those who are puzzled by that question, it is that there is there was a theatrical cut, which is the one that I know uh, deeply, having watched it like 30, 40 times. Right. Um,
1: so one of the voiceover, and yes, shorter. that
0: Harrison Ford did not like. And then there is a director's cut, and apparently still on the set of this, because Ryan Gosling brought it up, has brought it up in interviews, that Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott are still arguing... That basically, uh, you know, the theatrical cut with the voiceover is has one resolution, shall we say? Yes. So I think a little more open ended, and allowing you to make up your mind about things. Whereas the director's cut, in Ridley Scott's mind, is very clear that uh, Deckard is a replicant, replicant. himself. Yeah.
1: Yes, which is the more interesting story. If, if yeah, I I even take that as being slight, still ambiguous because we don't know if uh, if they have I would the say. flaw.
0: I mean, my opinion is, if there were some, if there was no sequel, that's cool. If he was a replicant, yeah. But because there is a sequel, right? Um, but even so, before I even thought that he was. There is something more to be said about a guy who was clearly in a very bigoted society towards another life form, and he overcame his bigotry, and fell in love, and, threw his, and turned his back on his entire life. That's true. That's true. You know, either either story, <laughs> or either meaning to the story, is valid and interesting. I kind of prefer the, the, the my original interpretation when I saw the theatrical only because then if he is a replicant, that drama, that over that overcoming his uh, his own prejudices don't they don't it doesn't matter because he was already one of them, you know. And it also I you know I think the other thing too is it cheapens Roy Batty's ending.
1: Oh, with respect to he's talking to another replicant.
0: Yeah, if he's talking to another replicant, right? well, that's along with his motivation all along. You know, whereas his willingness to save, and by the way, listeners, I hope this is not a spoiler for a 1982 movie, but his willingness <laughs> to save Deckard at the end is, again, all the more powerful. He loved life, all life. Right. You know, and if it's like, but only, you know if he's just saving another skin job, if you will, you know, then it's like, that's, who, that's what he was all along. So, you know, it, it, it's that. I think the greater character arcs are if Ridley Scott's interpretation doesn't stand. And quite honestly, if you read interviews with Ridley Scott in the last ten years, I, I don't think the guy's... Um, the, he's not the filmmaker he was. So, you know, I, I don't know. But he's only producing okay. this one. So... Okay. You know, I think he's said, he has said things in years past, uh, in years since. It's sort of like Lucas. We give Ridley Scott a pass, but when George Lucas went back and tweaked the, tweaked the meaning of, of his movies, everybody got angry. <laughs> so, you know, why, yeah, why I, does Ridley Scott get the pass?
1: Well, you, um, you and I can come to a nice, soft agreement to each of our own takes on this, and but you know that when this film comes out, there are going to be people who are going to go nonlinear because it doesn't, line up with their interpretation of the film
0: well and there's and that's that yeah. i mean
1: you know or is it because it's a philip
0: because if you go back because it's based on a philip k, philip k dick novel every interpretation is simultaneously possible uh, yeah. you know <laughs> it just depends on what drug you're on um, <laughs> i i i'm with you the interesting thing i noticed is that this the sequel is a lot brighter yeah. which is something I've been saying to a lot of people lately about, man, I feel like we're in a dystopia, and I say, yeah, you know what the fake problem is? That everybody thinks dystopia was Blade Runner, and it was always raining, and now it's always sunny, so you don't recognize the dystopia because it's bright. It's a lot dustier, and then, too. And then Blade Runner 2049 comes, and it's bright, and I'm like, okay, this movie gets it, you know, that's it, we thought it was all gonna be rainy. It's not. It's not dark and dingy. It's It's bright and covering up the fact that things are wrong and and corrupt at their center. Uh, Speaking of wrong and corrupt, no, that's a horrible transition. Uh, I mean, this is really controversial. You talk about... (laughs) I go on to CNN, say, or Facebook, and all the political arguments, but you want to really start something up on Facebook right now? (laughs) Say that Mike Mignola was right to not let... (laughs) And we, I don't even know if this is true. So, okay, because I, I will mischaracterize this completely and say, Mike Mignola was right to not let Guillermo del Toro make Hellboy 3 and to, and to give it to a new director, Neil Marshall, to reboot with a new actor. And that's really a horrible mischaracterization because no one really knows what, what went on. But the controversy for two days on my Facebook feed of people arguing about... Uh, the, how I'm not going to see this new Hellboy, and that's the point, is Mike Mignola tweeted out uh, there's going to be a new, a reboot of Hellboy, we're not going to see a Hellboy 3 with Guillermo del Toro writing, directing, and Ron Perlman acting, it's going to be Neil Marshall, uh horror film director, going to do more of a hard R-rated film, which is kind of interesting to me because I thought that del Toro's Hellboys were quite horror-oriented for me um but they want to go edgier uh and uh oh what is this actor's name the guy who is in Stranger Things the sheriff oh. in uh, uh he is going to be playing Hellboy and i think he's a is a fine actor choice well he's got the build he's got that kind of you know like Ron Perlman a square face that that could really you know could take the prosthetic well and uh
1: David Har- Harbour
0: David Harbour, thank you. H a r b o u r. Oh, you are. Yeah, uh, yeah um, I think a good kind of. Uh, he's an actor that that exudes that sort of working class. I mean, I hope I'm saying that you know characterizing that right. There's just a there's just a regular Joe, blue collar kind of thing to him, even uh, no matter what his role is. And I think that's always been a key to to Hellboy. That's what makes the character so charming. Is there's what he looks like. And there's what he actually kind of wishes he were, you know. Um, and that's what made Ron Perlman so great in the role too. Is that you know, there's that guy who smoked his cigars and he was listening to old big band and and and, and uh, 50s rock, you know, and, and right. liked cats. Uh, drank, <laughs> you know, he, drank beer. He was the rumpled gumshoe. He was the working yeah. class yeah, yeah. hero, you know. And but he looked he was a demon. Uh, and so I think I think it's interesting. And, you know, so there's been a lot of controversy online about that. And ultimately, I've gotten into a couple of discussions, not arguments. I don't I don't fight with people. I just say, like, here's the thing. You know, it is Mike Mignola's character in the first place. Guillermo del Toro had his own ending in mind, which I believe involved the apocalypse to finish the trilogy. And that's not where Mignola wanted to go. And, you know, ultimately, and this is one of those... Great things about creator-owned projects. It wasn't Del Toro's; it was Mike Mignola's. The creator of Hellboy has the right to say, "This is what happens with my character." And you know, things would be a lot different if people like Jack Kirby and oh, let's say <clears throat> Bill, Ker- Bill Bill Finger uh, had 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 more say. Yeah. Which I'm just going to throw in that that recommendation. If you have not gone onto Hulu and watched Batman and Bill. Uh, You really need to watch that documentary. I I I can't recommend that it highly enough to people who are comics fans, uh, because it's not just the true story of of the creation of Batman, but it's really a documentary about the battle to get Bill Finger credit. And uh, there were actual surprises to me about what this what that documentary was. So, and that helps me segue to uh, television. Yeah. Uh, Yes, I'm. I'm a little sad that Powerless was canceled, uh, with two episodes uh, unaired, which means that I'm probably going to have to buy a Blu-ray set, and it's just funny enough that I'm going to enjoy going back and watching most of those episodes. You were going to buy it anyway. Yeah, I know. But it, but the fact that there are two episodes that no, I wouldn't have seen otherwise, unless they put them on Hulu or the new DC streaming service they're promising us. Uh, You know, I'm sad about it, but it does mean that Alan Tudyk, who was killing it as Van Wayne uh, a character actually in continuity uh, is now free to join Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency in season 2 so he's going to be a bounty hunter uh, on that and I need to go back and finish uh, season 1 of Dirk Gently not because I didn't like it, it was just because there is too much television all the time and
1: it's still all Uh, on my DVR too
0: Yeah, and then you know I I had mentioned it took off, but I'll I'll say again, um, you know, American Gods was already renewed for a second season, and um, so you know, well, well worth there again proving too much television all the time. I'm not sure uh, Fox has the one you should catch because it's a science fiction show coming to Fox. It it might go the way of powerless really fast, but an interesting uh, pedigree. Seth MacFarlane, a family guy, yeah. and Jon Favreau, director of Iron Man, Jungle Book, and the upcoming Lion King, yeah. are teaming to create a Star Trek parody called The Orville.
1: No, parody without any kind of question to it. That's definitely a parody.
0: Yeah, uh, well, but, but you watch it. Uh, it's, it's an hour-long drama or an hour-long show
1: not no. a half hour. So no. it's not
0: a science fiction sitcom. No, it's actually a science fiction adventure. And there are f- clearly Seth MacFarlane. If you watch the trailer, Seth MacFarlane touches definitely his sense of humor, but I could see where there might actually really be, um, a plot and I to- caring.
1: I totally believe there's going to be, it's, this is the, this is the, uh, moral equivalent of, uh, of uh, Galaxy Quest,
0: Galaxy Quest. Brought,
1: yeah. brought to TV, and of course it's going to have. I mean, Galaxy Quest had had a, a storyline to it, and there was, you know, there was tension, there was danger, but it was still laugh out loud funny. And yeah. I, I just love the fact that um, uh, you've got McFarland playing the lead and Adrian Palicki up against as. Uh, a, a, an ex, his ex girlfriend or ex wife, ex wife, right? Right, right. <laughs> when the I alien's think,
0: saying, oh, We should not be listening to this. Oh, yes, we're, we're going to listen to this. is a thing. This. We're going to listen to this, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, because, and, and I, again, another one of the, I love All of our tensions are high. The arguments that are going on over pop culture stuff, I mean, I had this thing about which burger place is best today. I'm like, Isn't it nice that we can get into a heated argument over whether In and Out or Five Guys is better? And we're talking about that instead of treason, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's nice. I prefer um, to think of it as we retreat to the
1: discussions.
0: Of, <laughs> we retreat to these discussions, but they get no less heated. That's what's um, uh, said. Yeah. And, and so, I you know, I, I will say my opinion, my defense of Seth MacFarlane is I think this guy has always been a tremendously talented person. I'm not actually a fan of Family Guy, but I think he's tremendously talented. He's
1: brilliant and
0: talented. And he's lazy. And that's the problem. Like yeah. you know, uh, Ted. The first Ted was actually a clever idea. I really liked that movie. Ted two, not so much.
1: I didn't see a two. A million
0: ways to a million ways to die in the West. Clever idea. Lousy script editing, and you know, it was just kind of. Um, and I, as I feel that way about Family Guy. Whereas I would also say that the record albums, the record albums. huh, My Victrola. When I get that out, um, <laughs> the the. the that the albums uh that I have most enjoyed buying, that glad that i've been glad that I bought in the last five years have been his big band yeah um music albums you know he's singing uh you know forties and fifties standards he is tremendous talent, yeah, so i mean you yeah, know I'll go so far as to say you're right, brilliant, I think he is brilliant, but he's lazy, and so the worst of 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 Seth MacFarlane is things like. Uh An average family guy episode, which I discovered one night on Adult Swim, I could fall asleep and watch binge watch six episodes of Family Guy and I could fall asleep, wake up, catch one joke, and it made no difference to my appreciation of the series you know uh per episode one, you know, and get a nice three hour nap um but that that's your results may vary. But I think, you know, here he's he also, you know, he produced that Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, Cosmos redo too. So this is a guy who, I mean, he's got the sincerity. And that's the thing I'd say. I think Family Guy, one of the reasons I don't, I don't, that I don't respond to it is I don't think it has the sincerity and the love, the passion from him. I think he's doing it for the money now. Yeah. And I think, and I think that this, however, the Orville, because he wanted to take, he begged Paramount. To let him do Star Trek, and they wouldn't let him. So this is his response. I think there's passion here. I, I I think this is going to be great.
1: And there's I you just look at the visuals of this thing too. And there's so much. I mean, the ship is interesting. It's obviously a takeoff on the the Star Trek universe ships, but it's got more. It's got a bit of Galaxy Quest in there too. The the flying wings out of the back and and, stuff. and,
0: and I and I and and some great character actors in there. And I oh yeah. I'm Okay. Really thrilled to see Scott Grimes. What a perfect kind of match to Simon Pegg. They look physically similar. Uh huh. Um, but Scott Grimes, child actor from, uh, uh oh, dang it. that was going to be really clever with uh, with which bad horror film, uh, it, it, that, that, it, that he was in. Munchies, not Munchies. Um, uh, Critters. He was in Critters as a kid. Uh, and then was, was great on ER. You know, he's like one of those under, underappreciated character actors and, uh, Victor
1: Garber you know, from Martin, Martin Stein from,
0: uh, yeah, but I think he's just going to be like, he's in the pilot.
1: I, uh, he's listed as recurring.
0: Okay. So, recurring. Then he still going, he's coming back to legends of tomorrow. Yeah. So,
1: along with Brian George, who also plays, uh, the fa- the, the um, uh, Oh, what's his name on uh, big bang theory. The, the father in India, um, oh yeah 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 my, my problem with brian george is he's kind of like the face of india these days like the...
0: i i understand yeah uh you know um he's a good actor oh, no, a uh, i suspect actor. from what we're seeing that that's just the we're just seeing b- bits and pieces of the, of the pilot hmm. so you know i don't think i don't know that he'll be recurring it would, it, it, but the thing with being a recurring actor is and the way hollywood goes so let's get ready for that as he, you know that sag strike um is they could really, you know, they have the time because most shows, that when they have recurring characters, are now, like, shooting them all in one day so they don't have to pay them as much. And, you know, then they'll shoot more than one episode in one day with their scenes. So they got time. Yeah. And so we may see that more like, the again, that BBC model. You'll see a lot of people crossing over into other series. Oh, he's... uh...
1: yeah, he's, he's also in uh, The Expanse. He's Episarler's uh, That's right, husband. that's
0: right. Yeah. Which, let, let's again mention, uh, you know, hey, be ready for that Memorial Day, post-Memorial oh, yeah. Day episode when we get to uh, interview James S.A. Corey, both of them, um, on the podcast live on, um, I guess it actually literally is on Memorial Day. Yep. Uh, so, uh, thank you for reminding me that I have to get back to uh, my binge-watching. It's a slow binge watch because I need to actually appreciate each episode. Uh, and uh, last week I was too busy to get back into it. And But my heavens, what a great, great show and a great book, great book series. So I know the one that was announced, but this one does not have anything attached. I was very excited and then thought, well, they didn't really say anything too, too serious is Judge Dread Mega City 1. Uh, Announces a television series, but they don't have a network attached. They don't have, you know, they haven't really moved forward. What they do have is one of the producers of Battle, Battlestar Galactica, which I should mention, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that about the Orville. Brandon Braga is one of the producers. Oh, of the I film. hadn't noticed that. Nice. So you know, he's got Star Trek cred.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and Judge Dredd, Mega City One has uh, has some Battlestar Galactica cred. So I wouldn't be surprised to find Judge Dredd, Mega City One show up on Sci-Fi. Um, what I would really like to see is Carl Urban step back in to the boots of Joe Dread, uh, but we we don't know the the announcement that was there at least does make the sense, which I think makes sense is like 2000 AD, the focus of the series might be Mega City One and not I so much hope so. I ho- I hope Dredd. so
1: because. Dread is more a force of nature, and the stories were all about the characters that they introduced mm-hmm. for each one of those little. And and it really was; they were little short stories about life in this dystopian, future dystopia, crazy, mega slum. Um, yeah. That and that was what was interesting. Dread is just comes in. I am the law. Boom. Okay, end yeah. the story.
0: Yeah. So I I have high hopes, but we just don't know anything beyond. There are yeah. a lot of executive producers involved. Let's see. Let's see some actual production. <coughs> and I want to wrap up with Sci-Fi has decided to rebrand again. But you know why? I mean, it, let, let, let's. To me, I don't think this rebrand just means that they've changed their logo. It's now bright yellow. That people have noticed is a little more uh, Watchmen oriented. Um, because you know, there's a rumor that there's going to be an animated Watchmen series. And they'll retell Watchmen that way. Okay. And and so it's possible that maybe that will go to Sci-Fi because Sci-Fi was actually uh, the first place that got information about uh, Doomsday Clock. And so uh, it's there seems to be some kind of association between Warner Brothers and or DC and uh, Sci-Fi right now. I was just
1: going. Is there's no official connection there through any of their ancillary organizations or anything.
0: No, no. Uh sci-fi is a universal. Okay. Uh, although, you know, I have this growing sensation in theory that um, that what's happening in pop culture is there are all the IPs Disney own and then everybody else is banding together <laughs> to survive. <laughs> so, wow. I thought about this walking through uh I walked down Universal City Walk last night, um and you go into the Universal gift shop and you realize, yeah, there's Transformers there. There's Harry Potter. So there's, a, there's a Paramount property. There's a Warner Brothers property. And all their, all their stuff is being sold at Universal. And it's like, and they're just, you know, they're, they're teaming. They want to survive. And then, they, you know, they want an amusement park. Because really, nobody else is going to go into the amusement park business. It's Universal Studios versus Disney. And that's it. So I think that's the connection. Plus, of course, that in part of their rebranding for next year, that series, hashtags six seasons in an apocalypse, huh. Krypton has been uh, ordered to full series uh, so the CW take on Superman's grandpa uh, is going to sci-fi uh, they've also announced that they're going to be developing and I vaguely recall reading Night Flyers and then I think, whoops, maybe I actually read a Stephen King story called Night Flyers but it's actually George R. R. Martin's
1: Right, a novella. Night Flyers
0: so, it's a science fiction novella.
1: Right.
0: And I think that Stephen King had a, a short story called Night Flyer, and that may be why I thought, oh, yeah, cool, Nightflyer's a yeah, great idea.
1: Totally different story. I mean,
0: totally different story. Yeah. Uh, but the other great one going to series that I'm very excited about uh, and talked briefly with Derek Robertson at Silicon Valley Comic Con about was that his and Grant Morrison's Happy, the miniseries about a mob, <coughs> Hitman, who uh, is. Uh, struck by visions of a tiny flying blue horse uh, as they track down to save a, a little girl from a serial killer, uh, is that is going to series. And uh, so that should be really interesting. The thing that I think would that probably fear, fills both you and I with terror, because we cannot shake memories of Riverworld or Flash Gordon, is they're developing Stranger in a Strange Land you know T V series.
1: I have. I'm happily in a position now where I have to be reminded of River World and and I can believe that the the guiding hands at the sci fi channel will not necessarily crap on everything they touch.
0: <laughs> I noticed that you had a judicious use of the adverb Necessarily, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I'm, they'll do it because they want to, not because they have to. <laughs> so,
1: so I can hold out hope that one of my favorite novels of all time. And I said I'm that in, I said I'm that I said boat. that first about Riverworld, of course.
0: <laughs> I, but I, I'm but, in the same boat. Yeah. Stranger in a Strange Land is is absolutely one of my favorite novels. It's I, I think I fear that if I were to go back and read it now with all. That my, where my life has taken me in the last 20 or 30 years, uh, like many things from my teen years, I might not treasure it as much. There might be viewpoints that yeah we've moved past that the commentary won't be quite as uh, stringent, shall we say. Uh,
1: I read it about, probably about somewhere 8 to 10 years ago when I got a a, uh, a new edition of it, and what struck me about it was knowing more about, uh, about Heinlein, Heinlein, the, the, his, his own background came through closer in the reading for me, but I still loved it. I mean, it was still,
0: I, I think I'll, I'll be honest. One of the things that, that I think scares me a little bit now about going back and reading it is I did not see it as an attack on, Mormonism uh, when I first read it, but I hadn't spent time in the Mormon church and I fear uh, and, and actually this stands out just because I think that's the, one of the interesting things about the expanse that, that that's the religion that is mentioned quite a bit. Um, But uh, I, I, I fear I shouldn't say fear, but I think my viewpoint on it will be different now as a book because I, I didn't see it that way as an attack. I, but I don't know that I would have understood it if there if there is an attack. I've read some criticism of the novel that says that it, that that is there, but I, I I don't know. So it's one I want to revisit, but I'm afraid to revisit. And I just want sci-fi to do right by, the, by it as a book because yeah. it it definitely uh, influenced a lot of my thinking in, in my teen years. I you know as you know some people read The Fountainhead and um, you know work to destroy America. And uh, we, we read uh, Stranger in a Strange Land and thought that maybe we should just try to grok each other, you know? Like, whatever. Yeah. Um, let's grok. Um,
1: I grok Spock.
0: I remember seeing that button as a kid. Yeah. And, and like, going into the, again, what was it, you know, into com- to comic book stores. I was going to say comic book conventions, and I realized that I was, uh, that I still really had not gone to a convention until... Until Comic-Con as an adult. Oh, I went to a Star Trek convention in Santa Cruz once a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's that's all I want to talk about this week. Boy, we talked more than I thought we would, but that's all right. We were catching up with kind of a week and a half. Uh, we'll schedule our next one. Uh, I think we can probably fit one more in before we do the Memorial Day.
1: Should be able A-Con, to, yeah.
0: Which may or may not, depending on his willingness to speak, feature once again what I think was, uh, I got some feedback, was a... An audience favorite, uh, Kid McCaw may guest on that podcast. Uh, we shall see. Uh, although I think the focus of the podcast will probably more likely be, of course, talking to the writers who became, who come together and use their one twin powers to become James S.A. Corey and, uh, created The Expanse. So hopefully there'll be some surprises and we look forward to that. Uh, of course, once again, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. If there's anything we talked about, say, you haven't ever read Stranger in a Strange Land or Watchmen, and you cannot find it at your local brick and mortar store, you can, of course, use the handy dandy Amazon link on Fanboy Planet and order that and many other things. And we get a tiny kickback from that. You know, there was nothing uh, that I pushed on Think Geek this week, but certainly if uh, you want to browse around on Think Geek, we are affiliated and we get a small. Uh, commission from any sales that come through Fanboy Planet there. And, of course, if you just like to help support and defray the cost of web hosting and podcasting, uh, you can go right to PayPal and uh, give a little something over to editor at fanboyplanet.com. And, um, yeah, that's it. Hey, I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com.
1: And I'm Rick Snyder reminding you to use your, your powers, powers only for good. For good.